Hello, hello, and welcome into Box Office Quarterbacks. We hope you are enjoying the Olympics as we record this episode. I'm Ryan Schmelz, joined by Gerald Tracy for this epic episode we got planned for you today. Uh, but Gerald's going to have to come off the bat with an apology. So Gerald just moved for a new job. So he's in Seattle, and his house is all weird right now. And uh, he's still getting, he's getting, he might have some audio issues, let's just say that. Or not, not issues, but like you'll have a lot of background noise, right? Yeah, so for those of you who are not familiar with the Pacific Northwest, there is not a lot of places with air conditioning. So I have no air conditioning. It's only 79 degrees outside right now, but that's hot enough with the sun being up from like 6 a.m. to 9.30 at night to where my apartment gets up to 85. So me and my dog have about three fans running. Um, Hopefully you can't hear it too much. Um, Also, I am living downtown. So for those of you who may be familiar with Seattle area, I live in Queen Anne, pretty lively area down here, a lot of music, a lot of driving, a lot of cars. Late at night, you can hear a lot of sirens going off, so it's great. So you may even hear a bus go by or two. So I'm going to try to mute myself in between takes, Ryan, but um, I'm really enjoying the <laughs> Seattle lifestyle. It's insane, completely different from the quiet home San Antonio lifestyle I was living for the past three years. Yeah, Gerald, it's a big move. Like, uh, it's got to be crazy living up there. I- I've never been to Seattle. I've heard great things. I heard it's beautiful. Um, and it's a city that's just been really lively over the last like two decades. It's just really, I mean, it was already it was already a pretty exciting city in the first place, but I feel like it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. And it's, it's really, I think, trendy for our podcast in particular. You got a lot of sports going on out here. Um, one day, they I mean, I think we'd be ignorant to say that there won't be an NBA team back here. They have the NHL starting up. The Mariners are on fire right now. The Seahawks are always a good team in the NFL. And they even have some college football teams in the area. So sports-wise, that's great. Entertainment, I think we all know that there have been movies, good and bad, made based in and around the Seattle area. Um, and, you know, entertainment-wise, we have a lot of good movies a lot of good music, got a lot of good stuff going on for Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. So I, I'm really excited to see what I can use from my time out here to help the podcast grow. Yep. Tom Hanks has the title Seattle attached to one of his Oscars. <laughs> Sorry, I muted myself before I laughed. <laughs> yeah, so we're pretty excited, but um, completely unrelated to Seattle or maybe even a little bit related to Seattle and the Pacific Northwest is the big news I think everybody's talking about in college athletics, Ryan. You want to go ahead and kick us off at this? Yes. So there are multiple reports, and it looks like we are looking at the possibility, and it started off as a rumor, I believe, last week, but now it's it's starting to be more and more realistic that we could be seeing Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, the already powerhouse football conference, the SEC, leaving the Big 12, which had a pretty – which lost a good amount of teams not too long ago in losing Missouri and uh, Texas A&M. And I really don't know how, I mean, this is just the, the idea of this happening was already crazy enough, just the thought of it. But now that it's really more and more of a possibility, it's just, I don't know how the heck this is going to, I mean, it's just, you're looking at a whole new college football. It's really just mind boggling. And, and I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know how to feel about it. It's really, you know, I'll try my best to keep my true personal opinions out of this uh, as we do this, but it's just like, it's, it is, it is probably, it would probably be one of the, cause we've seen some big teams leave conferences and Nebraska is one that comes to mind. Um, 
but like this is these are two really big schools with a lot of money and a lot of branding potentially mm-hmm. joining the SEC and yep. and this could really hurt one conference and uh send another conference's just stock through the roof. Yeah, and I mean like let's let's be real here and um we're looking at two teams who do win. They do win. Texas hasn't been good for a decade and I get that. Um, I think Texas is more of that Nebraska level when Nebraska left the Big 12 um, at this point in their tenure just because, um, I mean, I think we can all agree Texas has not been the Texas that we all knew growing up, at least for the past decade, a little more. Um, OU, though, OU is a team that has been in the national title conversation. Um, all those other teams that you just mentioned, the Missouri, the Colorado, the Nebraska, the A&M, those teams that left and moved to conference, moved conferences, none of them were national title contenders at the time of leaving those conferences. A&M wasn't winning the Big 12. Mizzou wasn't winning the Big 12. They were contending occasionally, but they just weren't doing it, you know? Nebraska was on a downslide, and they've continued that downslide in the Big 10. So none of those – they were big names, yeah, but they weren't national title contenders. I think this is going to be that straw that breaks the camel's back in the sense of do we still need the NCAA? And I'll get into a little bit more on this, but – if, the, if you're making super conferences like the SEC, at what point do we just say NCAA no more? It's the SEC versus the Big Ten, and like, these are conferences, and that's how we do it. Well, keep in mind, when you're talking about Texas, you're talking about a top two potentially brand in yeah. college athletics. I mean, oh, it, when it comes to college football, it's probably between Texas and Notre Dame, right? I mean, like we're not talking about winning. Like this is obviously that's Alabama right now, but it's like, yeah, we talk about the brand, how much money uh, a score, a football program is worth. It's like, you got to think that's Notre Dame and Texas are the two that come to mind. So if Texas is going to up and leave a conference, that's a big deal, no matter which conference it is or which conference it's leaving. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say. And if I've said it wrong, I apologize. What I'm saying is like Texas and OU leaving is much, much bigger than what we thought. I mean, we thought it was huge with Mizzou and AM and Colorado all went their separate ways. And Nebraska, it was it was huge at the time. This is ten times bigger. None of those teams were as good as Texas or big as Texas and OU, or probably ever will be, in my opinion, just because even with Texas not being good for a decade, they're still probably if if not the richest, one of the top three richest programs in college athletics. Um, and that's saying a lot considering they haven't been with, you know? Oh yeah. And, and, you know, you got to think about the ideas here for Texas, obviously, like it's going to be a little bit harder to win in the big 12, uh, the SEC when you're already struggling to win in the big 12, but yeah, you got to think, you know, you were bringing some teams into your, your stadium, like the Kansases and the, the, uh, teams that just weren't you know, selling or haven't been successful in in a, in a long time, but now you got to think of the possibility of a DKR welcoming in LSU just about every single year, having Ole Miss there, having A and M back almost every single season, or going to A and M every single season. And you're, uh, I mean, that it's it's a huge money opportunity for them, or just uh, just another way to showcase that program on bigger stages because you'll be playing against more. Uh, you know, bigger teams. And I mean, I think Georgia would be coming there or Florida, those teams. Yeah. So 
Yeah, no, it's it's an insane opportunity. And like, I mean, and I think you mentioned that it was a possibility. But at this point, I think we're recording this Monday afternoon. I did see reports that OU and Texas have already sent in their letter of intent to leave the Big 12 um, after the 24-2025 season, I believe. Um, I'm hearing rumblings that there's lawyers and there's attorneys out there trying to find ways to make it quicker. Um, but I would believe that 24-2025 is the last year we will see the Big 12 being what we know it is today. And I am also seeing online, you know, being an Oklahoma State grad and someone who covered the Big 12 and covered Oklahoma State for years, I have a lot of followers on there, and I follow a lot of people that still cover and still follow those teams. I've seen a lot of rumblings of people being upset, but I believe that if, as an OSU fan, I'm not too upset about this. Yes, it sucks. We're losing the Big 12, and we're going to lose a rivalry with the Bedlam that, you know, OU, OSU, we may not see every year anymore. But to me, this is a new opportunity. I think an Oklahoma State team, if they continue to recruit and if they even get better at recruiting, um, a team that goes and plays in the Big Ten and go plays possibly the Pac-12, wherever they may land, I think they have a better chance of winning one of those conferences than they ever did winning the Big 12. Because with the Big 12 right now, you've got to consistently beat an OU. And if all those OU, Texas, and Alabama are all in the SEC, and the most you got to worry about is one Ohio State, and, you know, because the rest of the Big Ten, in my opinion, and I might be wrong, um, is about on par with Oklahoma State. We play up in those levels. It, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 tough, and obviously we're going to talk about Oklahoma State later when we get to the NBA draft. Yeah. But um, you know, you're it, it, I my question with this whole thing is what happens with the Big Twelve at this point? You know, are, oh, it's, is it's it just going to fall apart, or is mm-hmm. it do you, do you bring new teams in, or you find a way to make it work? I really don't know what the Big Twelve is going to do. Well, here's where I want to come in with some hashtag sources. <laughs> From what I'm hearing, the Big Twelve is going to be it's, it's done. Um, we're, 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 I'm hearing Baylor and TCU are going to be partnering up and going to like an American or maybe even a Pac-12. Um, you know, West Virginia talking to the ACC. Those are little rumblings. Oklahoma State's obviously the biggest rumblings are the Big Ten for that school and um, maybe even the Pac-12. Pac-12 a little less. They kind of felt each other out. Kansas, Big Ten. Kansas State I'm not hearing much on. Um, UT. Obviously, we're going to the SEC. OU going to the SEC. Texas Tech, I haven't heard much on. So those are just some of the rumblings I'm hearing. Um, none of that is confirmed. All of that is just, you know, stuff I'm reading online, stuff I'm hearing from people who cover all those respective teams. Um, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of falling dot pieces. And if we do have till 2024, 2025, I think this could take a while to hear out and feel out. Um, but if you look at it, a lot of the things I just mentioned do make sense. Um, and... You're talking about Kansas and the Big Ten. Big Ten's a really good power basketball team. Kansas is a really yes. good basketball team. Uh, oh, yeah, basketball yeah. The Big 12 is pretty much the basketball conference now, like yeah. after uh, – at least, at least, you know, without these two, Absolutely. if it does stick around, but yeah, yeah I mean, that's, then, that's what you're going after. It's like, Oh wow. What could this school do? Like what could Kansas yeah. do for a conference's basketball prestige? That's a lot. Yeah. And Oklahoma state's an up and coming in basketball. They're recruiting really well the past few years. They were always good in the past. They just had a 15, 20 year um, drop. And that, that's a long time, but they were good in the past before that. Um, Oklahoma state also has great baseball, great wrestling and great football. All those are perfect matches. They did. So I do believe oh, yeah. that we'll be seeing an Oklahoma State, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma State, Penn State type of matchup in the future should the Big 12 actually go the um, um, 
disintegrating power. Uh, excuse me, the where they fall apart. So I do believe the Big Twelve could the, fall could apart the, could the ACC could the ACC think be in play for some of those teams if that, uh, that I, this I could, fact happen? I could see the ACC I feel like, with I feel like an Iowa State. Yeah, I, I think like Baylor would be a good fit. I mean, I know it'd be like uh, yeah. uh, geographically wise would be not good, but I think just like. <laughs> Being like a, a a quality a strong quality academic institution, um, yeah, is you just see a lot of those in the ACC. Like it is, it you is hard to it. get into a lot of those schools. I mean, there's a lot of hard hard schools to get into for every conference, but like the yeah. ACC's just got a bunch off the top of my head. I'm like, yeah, if you don't aren't in the in the top top of your cl- uh, graduating class, you might be yeah. might be difficult for you. Well, you've also got to think about it this way: Does Baylor? Because I'm thinking Baylor and TCU are going to be a package type of deal. Two Texas private religious schools um, with mm-hmm. a lot of money and a lot of the, a lot of similarities. Both are both are good at at least one sport: basketball for Baylor and football for TCU. Long time, um, TCU is also really good at baseball. Baylor's pretty good at baseball. So I'm like they're both academic. They're both religious. A lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to a Pac-12 to an ACC. I also wouldn't be surprised to see them do the Notre Dame route. And just be independent. Yeah. Um, I mean, that religious university being an independent with playing certain. I mean, the independence right now. Notre Dame has shown that it can work. You can play a Pac-12 or an ACC or you know Big Ten schedule and not be in that schedule. You know, like what did the Big Ten? What did the Notre Dame play with this year? Was it the ACC in football? Yeah, they, they played with the ACC. Something? That's cool, and I think you could see a Baylor or TCU doing that in the future mercenary conferences like mm-hmm. you like play in a different conference every season yeah i think at the end now we're gonna see three or four conferences total for major college athletics and they're gonna do away at the ncaa and they're gonna do their own playoff and they're gonna send two or three teams each conference out to the playoff and they're gonna do something like that and we're gonna have one or two um mercenary teams <laughs> go out there and play that's what i would think and again I'm far removed from the talks. I, you know, Ryan, I haven't covered college athletics in a while. This is just from what I'm reading and what I'm getting from some of my friends still actively covering all these schools. It's 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 a crazy scenario that I mean, as we see this unravel, it's just. I mean, unfortunately, this is going to take a while. You know, as you said, it's like it wouldn't happen to like what like for another couple of years. So it would give obviously these schools time to to come up with a plan and do something. It, it's just, it is, it is wild. And uh, there's no other way to put it. It's, it's probably one of the, the crazier stories I've seen in college football in terms of like, you know, conference realignment and all that, or not just college football, college athletics in general, but I, I it's, it's going to really reshape college athletics as we know it, as did the legislation that just passed or that the Supreme court decision not long ago either. Yeah, and I think that might have something to do with it. I mean, if you got to put my tinfoil hat on for a little bit and be a conspiracy theorist, if you're an OU in a Texas and you're in the Big 12, right, and you're playing these Oklahoma States, these Kansas States, these Kansas, the Iowa States, and nothing against those teams. They all have great years. They all do well. But then um, you're getting these five-star recruits who may be unhappy and want to go play in the SEC and play Alabama, Georgia, Florida, all those teams every year, play up big boys, quote-unquote. Now that you can make money, as a, as a college athlete, and now that you can transfer wherever the heck you want, why ever, why even think about the Big 12? And maybe that was a thought process for an OU in Texas, at least in the thought process, you know. Um, 
if I go there, it's going to help us keep recruits. It's going to help us keep our big name and keep the stuff. I mean, the writing's on the wall for conferences like the Big 12 um, and maybe even the Pac-12. If the Pac-12 can't pick up an Oklahoma State, if they can't pick up a Baylor, what happens to the Pac-12, Ryan? Let me ask you that. I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, you know, as of right now, I just I, I feel like the Pac-12 is okay, though, just because they have that whole region of the country locked down. And, and you haven't heard any rumblings about schools in that conference being angry or not yeah. liking how the conference is run. And you've got USC, which is a top five, top 10 brand in college football. You've got um, some other, I mean, yeah, maybe you don't have as many, you know, brands as some of the other conferences, but you've got some good programs. So you got Nike. You, you pretty much have the school that has all the access to Nike right there. Yep. Uh, UCLA, big, big uh, academic institution right there. And you have the two Arizona schools. You really have, you, you have enough to make it work in the Pac-12. It, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not like they need to go out and get one of these teams or they need to go out and, and add to their conference. I mean, like, it's kind of like they can just sit there and watch everybody else go, go wild while they're just like, okay, well, we're satisfied with our situation, aren't we? Is everyone else happy? You happy? Yep. Okay, we're all happy. Then we don't have to do anything. Yeah, they, they can watch everybody implode, but I do think that at the end of the day, they'll add at least, at least try to add one or two Big 12 teams. Um, I think the Big 12 teams that make the most sense for a Pac-12 are Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, maybe an Iowa State or Kansas State. Um, those are the teams <laughs> That's that a I lot think. Of, that's a lot of traveling. <laughs> it's a lot of traveling, but, I mean, we're already talking. Like, you're looking at college athletics. OU's going to have to travel to Florida now every year. Um, and OU's far Well, not every year. It depends on, well, it depends on yeah. how they, they re reform well, the divisions. Cause well, not for football. Put, yeah, but I mean basketball, baseball. Like yeah. You're gonna have to try oh, yeah. West Virginia right now, they already have to do it. Um, if I remember yeah. correctly, and I, I have to do a little more research on it, but if I remember correctly, right now West Virginia, when they play like baseball series, if they're playing TCU, they're going to be playing Baylor the next week, and they make it like a two-week-long trip. All their, ki all their kids are on long-distance learning, and they take the trip back to West Virginia afterwards. So, I mean, yeah, I know it's a you're going to see more stuff like that. And now with the pandemic where we've seen like – Long distance and remote learning is very possible. Is it? It's. It makes sense to go and grab a team like a Texas Tech and let them play California teams. Oh no and doubt. You're also, and, and you're talking about. And I mean, yeah, Cal. And sorry to keep interrupting you, but to, to me, you're like, if I'm USC, and you're right, they have all the power. They have that whole side of the country, this whole part of the country. But you see the SEC slowly growing west. They're slowly taking over Texas. If you have the opportunity to take a Texas Tech and an Oklahoma State to where you can have a foothold in those states in the South, in the Midwest, why the heck wouldn't you take it? Oh, yeah. Because those and, are a uh, lot of recruits. For what it's worth, it's like one school's an Under Armour, one school's a Nike, so you get two two different yeah. uh, apparel companies with you. Get two different apparel. <laughs> Texas Tech. Divide and conquer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think the Pac-12 is salivating. I think they're salivating a little less than the Big Ten. Um, like you said, they're a little more comfortable. But should the chance arise where they can get a Texas Tech, a Baylor, should they get one of the bigger name schools, I do believe they go for it because that is a chance for them to continue bringing in recruits and eyes into the West Coast. Because the West Coast has already proved they will do anything to get eyes on them by scheduling seven like 7.30 starts out here, which is like a 10.30 start on the East Coast. Oh, I'm just getting so excited. I, I really cannot wait to just go to a college football game now. Like oh, you really, I, I am. I, am I, I forgot. We, I just forgot. We didn't have, we like a lot of us didn't go all last year. We couldn't. 
<laughs> oh man, this is getting me really excited. excited. I'm not gonna lie. And I was already excited to watch Oklahoma State football this year. I'm putting my fan hat on right now because a lot. Of, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of their games start like at noon. I was gonna be able to go have brunch, have some mimosas, some beer mimosas <laughs> in downtown Seattle and watch a game like at 10 a.m. That sounded fun. But now you're telling me there's a slight chance they could be playing here in Washington or Oregon in like three or four years? I'm even more excited now than ever. Oh, yeah. Well, let's move on to our next topic here. We've got we've got two options. We'll, I'll let Gerald decide which one he wants to do first. We can either do the NBA draft or we go to the NBA finals. Let's, uh, let's go finals first because I know we just want to hit on that pretty quick and then we'll go to the draft. Um, oh, we don't. Hey, pretty. I don't know if "pretty quick" is going to be the word because I've got a lot to say about this. I might right, well, not. Let's, we'll see. Well, let's let's let you do it. It's just you know, the finals are already done, well, so I know most of our viewers well, know who won. But um, okay, let's let's this, hear your let's hear your take on it. Yeah, this will be my sad my sad attempt at a monologue. Um, but I didn't have a script for this. So you know, we have this guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's one of the best players in the NBA, but now he is arguably the best player in the NBA. And he decided to re-sign his contract last year and return to Milwaukee. And it was fitting. You know, it, it pretty much, it, it put on the Bucks organization, they have to earn the right to have this player. And they, they earned, first of all, they, they, they earned his, his respect enough that, they, that he wanted to re-sign. He was happy there. But then we get to the finals this year. Or not just the finals, we get to the conference finals. And when we're at the conference finals, Giannis gets hurt. And I think that was the moment when the Bucks organization had to prove that he made the right decision to re-sign with them. The players that they surrounded with him surrounded him with stepped up to the plate. The coach they hired to coach him coached his best game of his probably coached the two best games of his career after coaching his worst game uh, a couple games prior. And I think that was you saw an organization earn the re- earn the reason why that player re-signed with you and his investment in that organization paying off. And now I think we can say that Giannis is the best player in the NBA as of right now. Anything you disagree with? Best player in the NBA? Hmm. I don't disagree with it. I I think there's room for debate, obviously. Um, you still have Kevin Durant out there. Steph Curry is still a monster. LeBron James is still existing. Um, but Giannis did things great for the, for the city of Milwaukee and for the NBA. I love what he did for that. And I love this year in general. The finals weren't predictable. It wasn't a LeBron year. It wasn't, you know, I think we all picked. I think I'd have to go back and listen to our podcast when we picked. But we all picked pretty much favorites, right? And we kind of said, like, I think I even said at one point, like, I really would like to see the Bucks do it, but I have the Nets and the Lakers and the Nets win. And I mm. was wrong. And I'm fine I, with being wrong. Uh, I had the Jazz and the Bucks in the championship, and I think I had the Jazz winning. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was going to be a weird year, and yeah, they, 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 uh, they, that didn't happen. It didn't happen, but you know what? I'm glad this happened like this because. It's really, it's really good, and I love all the, the stuff I'm honest did at the end. You know, like I'm, it's not just easy, or like I did it the right way, taking shots at James Harden. You know, I could have joined a team, I could have joined a power team, but this is my power team. We did it this way. I love that. I love those reactions. Yeah, and I don't think the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks is getting enough credit. No, you know, no. first of all, they they found Giannis. 
Yeah. Uh, Giannis well, wasn't the wasn't the top player in the draft, and they they picked him. And, well, he was he wasn't the top player, but he was a highly touted draft prospect. Yeah. And I do believe um, they I, I do believe they're getting gypped in the front office because excuse me, you probably hear the sirens. I'm sorry, guys. Wonder what that's going on down there, Mister Mister Seattle. <laughs> but, um, what I'm going back to say is um. We heard for years, and Oklahoma City Thunder, the front GM, they have Durant, Russell, um, you know, Harden, Ibaka, Adams, like all those guys. Like everybody was just getting all the praise to Oklahoma City, and you're not seeing that same reaction. At least I'm not with the Bucks. The Bucks were literally able to do it with one major superstar and Drew Holiday. Mm. <laughs> Oh, and they've, and, I, yeah, and they've they've developed guys. They've they they made an mm-hmm. awesome. They made a trade in the off season, which paid off. It's just really been, yeah. They they need to get more credit. And, and yeah. you know, Mike Boldenholzer doesn't get enough uh, credit yeah. too, because you know I I think that he gets criticized because his maybe his X's and O's and his in game uh, decisions are questionable at times. Yeah. But I think where his talent is that I don't think we're seeing. Maybe this guy's really good at developing players. Maybe. Like kind of like John, John Calipari down in college basketball kind of gets this where like he's an amazing player developer, he's an amazing recruiter, but not the best X's and O's guy and the in-game adjustment guy, but like if you want to to be somewhere and then be at another level 4 years from now, like this is the kind of guy you want to be around or like this guy will make a huge difference in your game from year 1 to year 2. And I think maybe that's what, what, what Mike does. Yeah, and I think a lot of the reason we're also not seeing all the praise that we both kind of agree with the Bucks should be getting is because it was a weird year. The Suns were not predicted to be – I don't even think they were predicted to be a playoff team at the beginning of the season. And you played a team like that, and the Suns are great, not taking away from the Suns, but you played the Suns. You didn't play the Lakers. You didn't play the Jazz. You didn't play the Nuggets. You didn't play – the Spurs or anybody of old, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't a powerhouse win and they, they did what they did. They played who was in front of them and they still won the finals. You cannot take that I mean, they still, they still, they still had to yeah. beat the, the, the Nets though. Still, I mean, that was, yeah, they, still, they still had to do that. They still had to beat those teams, but I think that's what it is. Like at the end of the day, the casual NBA fan, the casual watcher sees that they played the Phoenix Suns and not the Lakers or the Bulls or a big name team is what I'm saying. And yeah, I think then that's again, part of this, yeah, and this win could age better, though, depending on what the Suns do next season. I mean, what if the Suns come back to the finals? Then it's like, okay, wow, the Bucks really did beat a, a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it could age, and I think it should age. Well, Chris Paul is having a resurgence at the end of his career after leaving Houston, what he did in Oklahoma City last year, and what he helped do in Phoenix this year. And then you have um, Aiden and Booker over there in Phoenix, who I think are going to be yeah. long stay like superstars in the NBA. Um, I think those are yeah, both. Ne- ne- what, DeAndre, is Don, DeAndre Ayton even old enough to drink yet? And, uh, I don't even yeah, think book, he's old enough. Yeah, exactly. It, Booker, Booker, I think, is 24. Yeah. So, and then you're looking, at the, you're looking at teams like the Lakers and like the Nets. I mean, Kevin Durant, he's not getting younger, and he's had a few injuries. How much longer will he keep being one of the oh, best yeah, players? The, 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 whole, the, whole, the whole Nets team is built off of players who aren't reliable in terms yeah. of their health. And then and, the, the and Lakers, the I mean, and then the Lakers. Can Anthony, I mean, we've already seen Anthony Davis try to lead the team by himself in New Orleans. It didn't work out that well. And LeBron isn't getting any younger. LeBron's still, no. in my opinion, the best athlete in the world. And I don't care what anybody says. Giannis, 
might be the best NBA player, but LeBron is like 37 now, right? And the dude still yeah. holds up. The dude still my, holds my up. Cr- he's still a top five. Yeah, the, 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 the criteria I was using for best player in the world, I was kind of like, okay, well, what's your what are your current accomplishments? Like what's your current resume? Yeah. What's your future resume? What's your future outlook look like? And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess those yeah. would kind of be the two criteria. And I think like, you know, Giannis, think about it, last three years, a title and two MVP awards. Mm-hmm. And then obviously LeBron just won a title, but like the reason why I'm not putting, the reason why I'm finally dethroning LeBron as the best player in the world is because, I mean, I think he's kind of aging out of that. And yeah. he's finally, his age is finally starting to show in terms of like he's finally actually getting hurt when he's yeah. been one of the more durable players ever in NBA history. But at the same time, good. I'm still putting him in the top five because, well, he's got four four titles and four MVPs, right? He's one of the best, arguably yeah. top three best players ever. It's, a, it's an absolute fair argument that you have. And I, I don't disagree with you. Like, I agree with you more than anything. I just, when I look at LeBron James and the things he's done and the things he's still able to do, if, you like if I it'd be a really hard decision. Like if I'm but if I'm starting a team right now, I'm gonna pick Giannis because if I'm starting a team, I need someone for the future. But yeah. and if I'm if I'm thinking if I'm picking like if you just told me these two guys' criteria, it didn't give me their ages and like gave me their stats, their numbers, their their abilities, like what they're able to do, I might pick LeBron. Like I don't know. It's a it's one of those hypothetical what ifs, but we can play the what if game all day, right? So yeah. So I would say top five NBA players right now, I'd say uh, in no particular order. These are just the guys I'd put in there. Like it'd probably be LeBron, Giannis, um, Durant, Steph. And then I I think this season wasn't good for him, but Kawhi Leonard, I think you still got to put him in the top five, wouldn't you? I mean, the two titles with two different teams. I mean, I I want to, but like I just – Everywhere he goes, there almost seems to be an issue, and I'm starting to wonder if he's that quiet locker room cancer. Yeah, uh, and who would you put, who would you who would you squeeze in there then? I don't know. I mean, I've been having to look into. <laughs> Made you think. I mean, it's, it's, it, it makes you it makes you think. It's it's hard. It's hard to look at that and just be like, you know. I mean, Anthony Davis is great. Dame Damian Lillard's probably in that conversation at least. Um, it's. There's a there's a lot of guys out there that I think, and you know, I think that's great for the game. Really, when you look at it, a few years ago we looked and we were like, you know, oh, three of the top five are on one team, and the other two are on the other team. And yeah. Now you're looking at it, and these guys are all spread out. I mean, LeBron in LA, Kawhi in, in LA, but different yeah, different LA. Um, you got Steph still with Golden State, but then you got Giannis in Milwaukee, Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. I mean. <laughs> You just all these guys are spread out now. That, that's great. Damien in Portland. Um, I I don't know. I I really I don't know what to tell you. Trey Young's up there too. I mean, I don't think he's a top five. Yeah, Trey guy, Young. That guy's stock is soaring. Yeah, he's going to soar for a few while. <laughs> it, it, the, the league is the, the this is probably the most wide open the league's felt in yeah. a and very think, long time. I think that's why this championship is just as big for the league as it is for Milwaukee. Because the league is no longer LeBron's league right now. That's why I, I agree with you being okay to dethrone him. But calling Giannis, like Giannis is probably the best player. But the whole league in, as a whole is so strong that anybody can win it right now. The Sixers, if they get their crap together, for, like, for a better <laughs> word, but if they get it together, they're a good team. They have good players. 
Yeah, Miami okay. Heat's probably one that comes to mind too. Yeah, the Bulls, the Knicks were good this year. I mean, yeah. the, Spurs, the Spurs aren't great, but they still have Popovich, and they still barely missed the playoffs. And, I and mean, you got to think that We didn't even talk about Luka Doncic. He's a top five player in my opinion. Yeah, he's he's really good. Um, but uh, you, you got to think too. Um, you know, it's not going to take long for the Raptors to get back to relevancy. Mm-hmm. You know, they just kind of they're they're off a little bit, but their front office has always proven that they can find talent and build talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Utah Oklahoma Jazz are still, yeah, Utah Jazz are still competitive. Um, Denver Nuggets, um, and I don't see this Suns team going anywhere anytime soon. So no, I mean the Suns, the Suns, I think will. Take a step back next year. Um, I I I do. I know it's crazy to say it, but I do question if Chris Paul's going to be able to continue being Chris Paul. Um, but it it really I, depends I wonder, on how it it really depends on how DeAndre Ayton. I think he's the 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 kind of like yeah. the, the factor here with whether the Suns sustain the success or not. Because if he keeps yeah, taking exactly. that next step, it's then I think the Suns stay on this path. But, yeah, especially if Chris Paul doesn't re-sign, like him and Booker, it's, they've got to really step up. And I, I think they're capable of it. They definitely showed that they that it's possible this year. But yeah, the Suns it, just without need Chris Paul, it's – Yeah. Um, the Suns need – I'm not saying they need a, a superstar or a Hall of Famer. They need a few more guys off the bench and a few more guys to surround them with. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, Giannis just showed you don't need Kevin Durant – LeBron and Steph on the same team. Giannis just showed you can have that superstar. And I think that's a lot of things that fans have been complaining about for years. I mean, our own co-host, Jeff Gordon, has said before, like, you know, it's it's all about LeBron. All you have to do is say LeBron's going to win, and it's probably true. But, like, you know, a lot of fans have said that for years now, right? I mean, am I wrong? Um, Fans have been complaining about the fact that it's a one- or two-horse race, and now it's wide open. Who's going to win? It is no, it's it's uh, I mean, what, who are the favorites right now? It's Brooklyn and probably I don't even know what the LA. I haven't looked at Nevada, so but that it's it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation. The NBA is exciting, and will it expand? Will Seattle get another team? Maybe yeah. in Vancouver. And, and, and what I what I like what I like honestly about this season, I like the fact that it felt like the team the last two the last two NBA teams that have won the title feel a little bit more old school than what we saw with uh, the Raptors and and the, the 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 Warriors. Where was where the I mean, especially with with uh, Golden State, where it's so small ball driven. It's all about shooting. We don't have a center, whereas. The Bucks and the Lakers—they were two teams that dominated in the paint, and, yeah, and even even the Raptors were a little mix and match there. I mean, Kawhi. Yeah, was you, you had Kawhi and uh, Gasol. So, I, I, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have set used the Raptors as as an example, but uh, it was yeah. These are two somewhat throwback teams. I mean, they still have shooters, but they they can yeah. rebound. Yeah, that's but, their strength. It's a, it's, it's a very interesting time to be an NBA fan right now. And, I mean, even here in Seattle, a team without one, um, just a little behind-the-scenes thing. I was sitting on my internet, my electricity, my water, and a few other things this past week. And every single person I talked to when I told them I came from San Antonio, like, oh, we miss having an NBA team, but we're very confident one will be here soon, and we're excited to see what the NBA holds for our future. Because, I mean, it, it, think about it this way. The NHL just started a new team with the Kraken this year in Seattle. 
they have re renovated the stadium in center in Seattle Center right now for millions of dollars. When this um this the um the WNBA team and the Kraken will be playing there, why not bring an NBA team right there too? Yeah, why not? It's I mean it's probably one probably the obvious choice if you're gonna yeah. do it. I'm trying and to think the NBA. Yeah, and Baltimore right now, Baltimore couldn't have it, you know. Well, every 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 big league is thinking about expanding or changing things up, and the NBA is making money right now, and they need to make more. So why not open up another team? Why not bring the Supersonics back? I'm not saying break take away Oklahoma City, guys. Keep OKC there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you want to you want to hit on some draft stuff? I got I got one guy I want to talk about. Oh, uh, I'm I'm dying. So I'm I'm having such a hard time guessing who this could be. Uh, it's totally not the guy from Oklahoma State, is it? No, dude, he's worthless. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Cade Cunningham, the presumptive number one pick. I think he. I, I wish he was going to Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City spent like the last month and a half trying to lose games and got the sixth pick. How did that happen? But I'm, I'm excited to see what Kate Cunningham's going to do in Detroit. But I'm also hearing rumblings, Ryan, that he may not end up in Detroit. Oh, what's going to happen? Uh, apparently, Detroit's listening to all possible opportunities, whether it's drafting somebody else, taking a trade. Um, I think Houston's one of the ones trying to trade up, and I would take for Cade to end up in Houston. But Cade Cunningham is a baller, man. He's a, more of a Luka Doncic type guy. And I think Detroit would be um, – and sorry for saying this, Detroit fans, but I think Detroit would be stupid to not take Cade Cunningham. The team sucks. They need a player. They need someone to build around and to be excited for. And Cade Cunningham, to me, is that guy. Cade is the kind of guy that can turn on a Damian Lillard type thing at any moment. He's the kind of guy that can come in and go 0 for 5 in the first quarter and then go five, like eight for eight in the second quarter and just completely bring your team back into it. Um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't just take him. Oh, yeah, and you got to think Dwayne Casey's excited at the opportunity of coaching a young guy like this. Because I, I don't yeah. really think he, had, he really had an opportunity in, in Toronto to have a top pick like this either. Um, they kind of had to build that team with mid to late round draft picks. And and whatever free agents they were able to convince to go out there, and and, and he's kind of he's kind of like built like the the typical, you know, kind of what you want in an NBA player now, six foot eight, yeah. like but a but a ball handler, you know, yeah, he's six so, eight. He plays, and it's funny because he came into OSU. Sorry to interrupt you. He came into OSU, um, and he wanted to play point. And a lot of a lot of colleges were talking about you know you're six eight. Let's put you at the four spot. Let's put you at the small forwards shooting guard. But like Mike Borden enabled him and allowed Kate Cunningham to stick to the point position, handle the ball, run the offense, and still I mean he's six eight, two thirteen with a seven foot wingspan. This guy <laughs> is a like he is a master. He's nineteen years old. Like the dude's I, I think he's gonna be twenty this September. Like he's insane big guard who can shoot the three, drive inside, he can dunk, he can facilitate. I just I don't understand what you, the, the worst thing about him is that he'll turn the ball over sometimes and that there are occasional spurts usually at the beginning of the game where he'll miss a few shots, but the dude turns it on when it's necessary. He is the only reason Oklahoma State was any good this year, and he's the only reason they got I think a five star and like two or three four stars committed to him right now. Yeah, they've been recruiting really well. So it, yeah. it, it, and what's weird about this draft? So it looks like it's pretty much. It seems like there's a massive drop off in the talent section, um, 
from 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 picks four through five. So it's 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 yeah. four guys who are kind of above everybody else, and then it kind of drops, and it's the magic, I believe, picking at number five. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like, oh, we just missed out. You know, it's like we just missed out on. Yeah. So it's what Evan Mobley, uh, Suggs, Scotty Barnes. Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and Ayo Dosunmo. Jalen Jalen Green's the other one who's getting a lot of yeah. rumblings too. So like, but yeah, and, and I, I'd even go as far as saying that like it's Cade Cunningham, and then then you got the two through the five, and then it's just a drop off. Like it's just a oh, yeah. well, this is the like this is the because like Cade Cunningham is the you won the lottery, you win everything, and then Suggs, mm-hmm. Mitchell, Giddy, Butler, and um, even Green are those guys that are like hey. You still did it. Good job. Here's some good players. And then after that, it's like, who knows? Who knows what we're getting? Um, and unfortunately, that's just what it is with this year. It's Kate Cunningham. Just he's and, he and it's not rare. Yeah. It's not rare. This happens though, because you got to think. A couple years ago, the Lakers got the four, number four pick, and if they would have gotten the number three pick instead, just one more spot above, they wouldn't have had to give up as much to get Anthony Davis because you had it was. Uh, John Moran, RJ Barrett, and, and um, Zion uh, as kind of like the three superstars of this this draft class. Then it dropped off after those three. So it was, you know, the Lakers had the four pick and it's like, oh man, if we could have had number three, then we could have pretty much been trading RJ Barrett and a, and maybe a little bit less to get AD as opposed to what we had all, all that we had to give up to get him in the first place. This draft is going to be, I think it's going to be interesting. I would be surprised to not see Detroit take it. Um, take Cade, it's a no-brainer to me. You're not selling tickets with the roster you have now. You get Cade yeah. Cunningham, you're going to sell tickets. And you might actually win a few games, and the games you don't win is fine because you'll be in the top three for the lottery next year too. So what about – so besides the Pistons, which team do you really think could change – has a lot riding on, on, on this draft in terms of the top five uh, teams here? Houston, I think Houston. Um, and I think Houston's probably the only other team that could get Detroit to um, give them that number one pick. Uh, it's the only team I've seen from reports um, that's really making a lot of noise, so I could be wrong or no. But um, I do believe that it, like Tade's either going to be in Detroit or Houston next year um, unless Oklahoma City decides they want to do away with Shy um, Gilgis, Alexander, which I don't think they do. And a few draft picks because Oklahoma City, we we forget they have like thirty draft picks available to just give away. <laughs> so, oh yeah, um, I but I don't think they're willing to do that. I don't think the Thunder are willing to just give up what they gave away, Russ and Kevin, not Kevin, but Russ and Paul George for you know. So. All right, we're leaving the chalk talk session and moving on to real talk, and we are talking about the Emmy Award nominations, which were released not long ago. And to no one's surprise, the Crown was tied for the most nominations. But what may surprise some folks is that the Mandalorian was tied with the Crown with 24 nominations. But that doesn't stop there for Disney Plus because WandaVision was also a big, big winner in the nominations, and uh, this really was a, a a big night for fans of pop culture. And, and yeah. Marvel really did an amazing job when it comes to the Emmys and also uh, the Star Wars universe. I mean, you got the Mandalorian racking up the Emmy Emmy nominations. And it's it's like, whoa, has this been more successful than the new movies, even though the movie, new movies were a huge hit, both critically and at the box office? Yeah, it was in like you're looking at all the nominations and I'm reading this right now from Variety, actually. HBO and HBO Max 
combined for 130 nominations. Netflix, 129. Disney Plus was 70, 71 this year in his second year of eligibility. Um, so The Crown and Disney Plus, The Mandalorian tied. The Crown had 24, The Mandalorian had 24, and then WandaVision with 23. That is insane. And The Handmaid's Tale had 21. So you're you're talking like you're right, pop culture. I'm also really glad to see like shows like The Boys get drama nominations. Bridgerton was pretty good. Um, this is us getting some nominations. But you look up and down these nominations, and you're not seeing NBC and ABC a lot. You're seeing a lot of streaming services. Oh yeah. And, I mean, it's clear why. I mean, the past year, you weren't you were seeing a lot of network shows be canceled or delayed. I mean. That's just the fact. And while streaming services had these things in their back pocket ready to publish. Mm-hmm. And the streaming services have just, it's just been ever since they became a thing, they've, they've had the budgets yeah. to just make more quality, quality then, television. I think the rest of the field got lucky. HBO, Netflix, and Hulu got real lucky that Loki was not sent out yeah. in time. Because Loki, and we haven't seen it, but Loki is by far the best show. Yeah, we were talking about that the Marvel. last show. It's like uh it's like the the best the best Marvel show didn't even come out yet and the other ones are already racking up the nominations. So mm-hmm. we can only imagine what it's going to be like next year when Loki's eligible for for the yeah. Emmys. But you look at this like you have uh, I'm looking at the supporting actor in a comedy category. Ted Lasso has four nominations. SNL has two. And you see this several times in here, just going down it. You know, SNL has multiple nominations in several categories. Like right here, guest actor comedy, SNL is four. Uh, and then you have um, like several other nominations where it's, it's multiple actors or actresses, you know, nominated from one show. And it's, it's crazy. But I think the show that we've got to watch out for is going to be um, The Queen's Gambit. Because yeah. I'm trying to think of a show that really just a drama series that took off the way it did. You know, it, it kind of had that uh, maybe like a Breaking Bad slash like Stranger Things type of following where it mm-hmm. seemed like everyone. I mean, you, chess, chess has taken off again because of this show. So that's kind of the one I'm paying attention for in terms of how many wins it's going to get. It might not be the, the biggest on the nomination process, but I think this could be the favorite going into a lot of categories. Yeah. So that is one show that I still haven't watched. So like you haven't seen Loki. I haven't seen Queen's Gambit. Let's give each other some homework and catch up on it <laughs> between the next two shows. But um, we got to, we got to find gotta time. <laughs> yeah. So we got to find time for those, but it's, it's interesting seeing these things And WandaVision is definitely a show that, um, to me, I think their nomination, its nominations come from, um, if I watched those first two episodes, two and a half episodes, and I think they said this on Twitter, it built up very slow. But the show as a whole, it's really, I mean, I, like for those who have watched the Disney Plus on Marvel shows, all of them are really long movies just broken up in the chapters. Um, it does exactly what Marvel does. It starts off a little slow, but then it just brings the big battle in and everything wraps together beautifully. And it includes with the other shows. So I, I'm glad to see um, Disney Plus do well. I'm glad to see all these streaming services do well because I do like the streaming service world with the TV shows and even some of the movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's always been, I mean, it's just, it was so necessary. We, it really helped us, a lot of us, get through the pandemic to have all this uh, content. 
just at our fingertips and and just i mean you know we're, we're we call this the golden age of television it's lasted for some time now but we just every year we're just getting so much great uh so much great television and so many great series it's almost like you just you can never run out of things to watch now because it's just so much so much of it is quality yeah and i'd almost argue that we're out of the golden age and we're into what i'm going to call the platinum age um <laughs> the, i mean like it is what it is we the golden age really started in the early 90s you get the friends you get all the seinfields you get all those shows and it went on to the 2010s early 2010s yeah, but when the Sopranos when the Sopranos yeah. came out, that changed everything, yeah. and then you had the Wire yeah. out around yeah. the same time. Yeah, and, and then now you've had all these streaming services put their hats in the game. And I mean, let's be real; nobody thought they would work. Nobody thought Netflix would stick around. And Netflix, like Netflix, really deserves a tip of the hat. Deserves all free beer in any city it wants forever, because it launched competition to Amazon Plus, to Disney Plus, or not Amazon Prime. But um, Disney Plus, Hulu, all these other streaming services, HBO Max. I mean, 15 years ago, we never would have thought Blockbuster would have gone out of business. And now mm-hmm. Blockbuster spurred Netflix, we're spurring all these things. And it's just amazing that we have all this. Well, and, and it was like, you know, at the, and, and the th- crazy thing about, I think, I think HBO and Netflix get a lot of credit for this, where they were kind of like, in a way... Monopolies, and then they had all these other streaming services give them competition, but they've stayed relevant. You know, they 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 keep producing great content, and people keep subscribing. Yes. So they 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 have taken on the challenge, and really, it, I feel like just the competition just made them better. Competition yeah, did what it was supposed to do. It definitely made them better. Netflix. I mean, I don't know if you've seen some of these Netflix movies. I think um, one of them, the one I watched recently, was called Awake. Um, starring, um, um, blanking on her name, but she starred in um, Jane the Virgin. Um, but that movie was good, really good. I liked it. Um, a lot of those Netflix TV shows and movies end up really good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and you also see Netflix taking advantage of some um, cable shows that end up being canceled. One really big one right now, um, The Manifest. Manifest got canceled by NBC. And a lot of people keep calling for Netflix to continue it because they want to see how it ends. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen in the next year or two. Well, how, how do you think, how much do you, do, I mean, you got to think for uh, AMC has pretty much kept its shows on air because of Netflix, you know, because not yeah. a lot of people were watching Breaking Bad the first season. What happened to mm-hmm. Breaking Bad was after like season one or season two, the, the fans they had we're going to their friends and saying, "Hey, you got to watch the show Breaking Bad." Well, I can't watch it. I, 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 I don't. I, I, haven't, I don't have cable. It's like, well, okay. Well, season one and two are, are on uh, Netflix, so you can go ahead and watch it and catch up. Yeah, and then and by then, the, and everyone kept doing that. Then by the time the series finale happened, the whole world was watching. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same about The Walking Dead. Um, yep. It picked up a lot of steam at first, and then it died down. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one to say I was a huge Walking Dead fan, both comic and the show. And when it swayed away from the comics super much in like season eight or nine, I stopped watching. But recently, oh, when, I started watching. When the, right, when the writing started getting garbage, that's what happened. Yeah the, yeah, the writing started getting garbage and I stopped watching. But I went back to it recently and because Netflix has it on there. And I was thoroughly impressed with what they did. I mean, it's not the way I would have liked it to go, but it's still a good show. Um, and then also Grey's Anatomy. That's the show that um, um, how, how to Get Away with Murder. Um, two shows my wife are, is really into that she didn't, we don't watch cable television much at all. 
and she watched them on Netflix, and she's a huge fan. And now, guess what? We we plan a week like, hey, you know, that show comes out. I think I think Grey's Anatomy comes out on Thursday. That's when she watches her Grey's and Station Nineteen. I think two now. So you know, while Netflix is taking advantage of shows that NBC, ABC, and CBS may cancel, ABC, NBC, and CBS are also reaping the benefits from Netflix putting their shows on a year or two late. Yeah. And getting back to the, um, to the nominations here, I would say that uh, I really like seeing Kaylee Kuko as uh nominated here. For I, the still Flight haven't you know, it, I still haven't yeah, seen it, that show. It, neither have I, but it's, you know, it's, it's her first big role since uh, the big bang theory ended. Is and she, I think I the she show directing, is she starring in it? Uh, yes. And okay. she's also, she also, I think, I think it's more of a dramatic role than obviously the Big Bang Theory was. It's still considered a comedy, but I think they do have a lot of serious uh, themes in there. And it's nice to see her knocking out of the park. Cause, you know, you got, when, when you think about somebody who does great with the TV show, you think about Allison Janney with Mom, who's also nominated, big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we already know that she can. <laughs> She fi- she's she's found a couple of drama roles that have really really let her show off her acting chops and you know she won an Oscar playing uh playing an Olympian's mother and that was unbelievable so I was super happy she won that Oscar obviously but you know obviously she's nominated again we got to see Kaylee in a, a more serious role and obviously you know we, we think about something like John Krasinski who took what he did with Jim and now he's one of the biggest action stars in all of Hollywood. And a good director. I mean, the, uh, he's probably the a better director than he is an actor. Yeah. <laughs> at this I point. Mean, this, and he's, I mean, he's done so well for himself that even like Marvel fans everywhere are calling for him to be cast into the fantastic four. And you know, 20 years ago, Marvel was a laughing stock. I mean, all they had was the Spider-Man show, Spider-Man movies. And even then it wasn't really their property because they didn't own it anymore. It was owned by Sony and still is. But what, I mean, is it 20 years? Yeah, it's been more than 20 years. But 20 years ago, you know, it, Marvel was kind of the laughingstock of TV. Like, oh, another superhero movie. It's going to flop. And now, like, to get put into a superhero movie is a huge honor, you know? Oh, yeah. Or a TV well, show. All right, Gerald. I think it's time for you to go on your rant. Yeah, so um, Hamilton does not, and it's a good show. Everybody, like, you can have you like it. You can enjoy I believe it's under, it's, it's under, it's uh... under, Straight to TV movie is that the the care it's it's a limited series movie or analogy. Yeah, but um, either well, way, it's nominated. It's nominated. That's that's it's the point. something. It's a play that like originated like what was it twenty sixteen or eighteen? But it's a play from a few years ago, regardless of eighteen or sixteen. It's not this year. It's not twenty twenty, and they recorded it and put it on this. What was it? Disney Plus. Why is it still getting nominations for TV shows? Like there were t- there were shows out there that may have been snubbed and got put into this place. It makes no sense to me. It can be great. It was catchy. I get it, it was a pop culture thing, but why is it there? You know, there are people, there are actors, there are directors, there are producers, there are editors, there were grips, there were makeup artists, there were music like produce like music producers out there for shows that did or probably should have got like probably should be in that place that aren't in it because of a play from three plus years ago. And it makes no sense to me because they recorded it and put it on a streaming service. That is one of the devils we do get. We've been blowing up this streaming service, this whole podcast, and I love them. 
and I'm and I'm gonna go watch streaming service probably tonight. But this is one of the devils of it. Why? It, it's great. I'm glad it's there. But why is it being giving awards every like the Oscars, the Emmys, the the Academies? Why is it there? Can you give me yeah. a good reason? Yeah, and and you bring up a very good point, and it it is a question I I would have to ask too. It's because it, well, it's just like, well, can you just put a camera in front of a play and film it? Then it's like, okay, I can get Emmy nominated now. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, so like, it, it's a serious question to ask, and and I think honestly, like years ago, Spielberg brought the, I believe it was Spielberg who brought this up, um, and asked, you know, why is Netflix allowed to get nominated for the Oscars when like if HBO releases a movie it's going to be nominated as, you know, best made for TV movie, but Netflix yeah. gets nominated as a theatrical release. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think it, those are so, little different arguments to an extent. Yeah, they're, they're, def- they're definitely different arguments, I think. But, um, but, but, but it's, I mean, it's something, I mean, like, something that was interesting. Yeah. And I mean, like, cause I, I think at this point, like, cause Netflix, sometimes some of their movies aren't even, and I think they started doing this to get nominated, but some of the movies are even released in movie theaters. Yeah, so I like, think they. I think that's the loophole they do. They do limited release because yeah. you see that you see it happen every year around like December. A uh, a movie that's really critically acclaimed will do like a limited release in New York and L.A. in December, just, but then do a a national theatrical release in January. Yeah, so, so they can, can be qualified for the op- yeah, and they want to they want to put themselves in the last minute so they're fresh in the in the Academy's mind when it comes time yeah. to do the nominations. Yeah, and I don't blame them. It's just, I don't know. Like, for stuff like, like I'm not saying this movie deserves to be it, but, like, movies like Awake, Netflix movies that are actual movies that were filmed and produced for this year, sure. But, like, if you're talking about, and I'm not, like, if there was a movie produced or a show produced in 2020 that's been delayed because of the pandemic, fine. But, like, this is legit a play that was recorded, put on a streaming service, Three years later, and now people are giving awards for it. Why wasn't it awarded years ago? Also, does this open the straight pack for like other plays to just win awards for TV? Mm-hmm. And then also, like, does that mean like if I go and get a movie and TV show and put it on a play, put it on Broadway, does that mean it's going to win Tonys? Like, it doesn't make sense for me to do any of that. So I think there's a lot of I don't know. It doesn't seem fair. And I do. And it does. And and it's like, it's almost like, okay, well, you know, why don't you just make it into a, make, make a movie based off the play or make a drama or make a series based off the play. It's a, you can do that. You know, I wouldn't mind. Disney plus has the money. HBO max has the money to make a Hamilton. And and you know, if, if there was a Hamilton series, that thing would be, or, or even a movie released in theaters, that thing would sell like crazy. And you know Disney can do it. Disney is great with musicals. Disney is great with live action adaptions. I mean, great. I guess you can, depending on the viewer. But um, <laughs> but like it can, it can get away with it. Disney can get away with almost anything. Disney can make anything and do fine with it. Disney made three subpar Star Wars movies recently, and people still turn on anything Star Wars. So <laughs> Disney can do whatever it wants. Oh yeah. Well, uh, one other thing before we uh, wrap this up. Did you see what movie is getting a uh, great review so far? I don't know. What movie are you talking about? Uh, Stillwater. Oh, did it? Is it getting good reviews? I completely... Yes, sir. Hey, forgive me. Uh, with my cross-country move, I completely forgot about entertainment for a week and a half. It's okay. But, um, it's okay. Uh, you know, I wasn't... You know... Um, 
it, 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 you know, I don't want to be using uh, Rotten Tomatoes as our as our source, but they, you know, eighty three percent right now. That doesn't. Yeah, I don't think that should be the term of a good movie. But you know, they, yeah. they release that ad that a movie does when it gets good reviews, and they like show all the quotes from the critics on it, saying, "Look how good this movie is. Go see it." So they've been running one of those ads lately, and uh, it looks I, like I, it. We 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 had high hopes for it, didn't we? When we talked about it on the show before. Yeah, well, Matt Damon, and then also um, just the fact that it was filmed partially in Stillwater, Oklahoma, for me, is going to make me excited because that is what I consider one of my homes. So I am excited to see that. I was going to watch it anyway, but maybe I can convince you and Jeff and even Eric to uh, do a podcast on it in the future. Oh yeah, well, if we all go see it, then we got we definitely got to do it. It's pretty much yeah. what we do now with our lives. Hey, I just saw this movie. Did you guys see it too? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Can we uh? <laughs> guys would do podcast. So I'm I'm excited for a lot of the future of movies, the future of TV shows. Um, it's an exciting time to be not just doing a podcast, but just be a viewer in general. There's so much at our fingertips; it's crazy. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna figure out what our next movie is gonna be, but I believe the boys are gonna be doing a Loki reaction show. Yeah, and I have so to apologize like, to Eric because I keep screwing his name up apparently on air. Yeah, so I want to go ahead and um, set the record straight. His name is Eric Anya Chefle. <laughs> I'm Ooh. 99% sure I got that right. But it's okay. Um, Eric says it's okay, so I think it's okay. Eric, Jeff, and I are planning to get together and do a little bit of a Loki recap, discuss Loki, um, what it means for Marvel in the future, and um, what it means for um, the Disney Plus streaming services. And um, just how good of a show it was. We're going to try to break down different episodes in one long podcast um, for everybody. And it will have spoilers in it. So I do believe, um, spoiler warning, go see the show. You have about a week before that one is released. There's only six episodes, so you should be able to knock out about six hours of TV pretty quickly before we release that episode. That's exciting. Awesome. Talk about it. Awesome, awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you saying something? Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining us, as always, folks. We'll keep you updated with our next movie in the near future. But in the meantime, we thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Good Friends and Real Talk. We'll see you later.